Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. So this week it has, I think, been a while since I've taken us all the way back. I know, Caitlin, it's your favourite thing when I do this. Um, But I last took us to the Victorian era in November. I did double check because I didn't want it to be too soon. Uh, So I'm back here and this week is the story of Sarah Dasley. We're probably going to start every episode now for the next couple of weeks, months, with the crime contract. Sorry. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but I kind of wanted to say, firstly, thank you so much for all the really lovely feedback we've had um, about us going to crime con. I think when we got the message through, we, we kind of expected to go and nobody to know who we were. Um, 100%. Yeah, I think we were like, are you sure you want us there? Like that kind of thing. But actually, we've had loads of messages from you guys saying that you're going to see us there, which is amazing. Other podcasters have been in touch and they're looking forward to meet us and people have said they're going to get tickets and stuff. So that's great. And it'd be amazing as many of you can get along there as possible because we are really excited to meet you guys and we've got some stuff printed and a big day out, isn't it? It is a big day out. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so we are really, really looking forward to it. It sounds amazing. Um, Sam, you were talking about the discount code earlier. Yes, because we find, like, you know, discount code is very important. Like, this, it's not a cheap event. We're not going to say it is. So, yeah, we might be promoting it and talking all this stuff, but honestly, like, we know the price of it. So, but with our code crime pod, all in uppercase with the 10% off, (laughs) I forgot it for a minute. Um, You can also use it as well as like student carer blue light discount as well so that's like kind of double the discount I would say um so check your blue light status as well because Caitlin you were saying was it you'd be surprised at who who is a blue light yeah like I think like a lot of people think it is just the like emergency services which it absolutely is but you can kind of do a system of like an eligibility checker so it actually can come up with different organizations so like you've got ambulance for example you've got fire but you also then have like the home office you've got the nhs you've got like kind of front right uh, front front line workers as well you've got social care so you've got so many things actually you would be able to do it and blue light as well i'm sure it's like a five a year which is so so cheap that's decent yeah it's so so cheap um I've had one before uh, I now just use my partner's (laughs) but it is brilliant like not just for crime con like we were out for lunch earlier today and we got 20% off our food bill like Starbucks give you discount I know we're kind of boycotting at the moment but loads I was gonna say so I I said it and I was like that name but like loads of places Greg's and stuff do it as well so it's definitely worth kind of checking out the like where it is actually eligible because that is quite good um I know as well Samantha you'd kind of touched on um the what's it called you touched on the price of it it is like it is expensive 145 pound is an expensive ticket that's without um, our 10% off so obviously our 10% was taken off some money from that there is payment installment plans available which I know can help people um and I'm not saying that £145 is cheap it is in no way cheap 
but you are getting a lot for your money. It is a lot of value for your money. Like that is like refreshments and your lunch and stuff throughout the day in the cost. You're talking, mm-hmm. there's like, there is the um, the CSI experience you've got. There's actually talkers. Um, there's talkers. There's talkers. Talks, <laughs> talkers. There's talkers. Me. There's talks from like victims, survivors. There's like renowned speakers there. There's so much going on. There's podcasters, there's authors. So, I completely understand it is costly, but if it is something you're able to do, I would definitely say it is worth forking out on because I think it is going to be a really good day if you are yeah. really interested. In the, like, I don't think it's one of those you're going to pay and be like, what was the point in that? I do think it will be one of those of you will get your money's worth if that is something you're able to do. Absolutely. And I was sold when CSI experienced, I was like, take my money. Not that we yeah, and we were genuinely going. Well, we were genuinely going to go. We were yeah. going to go, and do you know that was that we had said we were going to go. And we and Samantha are also like content creators. Also have to pay some sort of cost as well. We're not getting paid to go. We're not, do you know, through that we are. I wish we were getting paid yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah, and being paid thousands of pounds as a guest appearance. We're not. We are actually like openly doing it so if you're like still swaying if you're not 100 sure if you live in england there is also london and um, we unfortunately won't be at london um which is sad but london are also and they do two days in london so you're able to go there london i will say is more expensive london is about 245 pound so perks of being scottish but um that is also on i think that's later in the year that's september so i would have a look online at their website which is obviously very simple it's crimecon.co.uk i would check it out um and see if it's something you think is worth the money and kind of see all what's happening so yeah i know we're gonna we probably won't bleat on about it as much every week um but if you have any questions if you're kind of wanting a bit more information about it you are welcome to drop us a message as well um we are more than happy to kind of speak to you about that but yeah there's we are really, really excited. Um, and if you go into the content creator section of the website, we are there, um, which Ooh. still feels very surreal. But that is all because you listen to us bleat on every week. So thank you. Like we've just done. That is a prime yeah, example. That's been five minutes. I was like, I'm just going to do a quick thing about CrimCon at the start. <laughs> and then I have literally just kept going. Um, but yeah, if you can, please come and see us. We would absolutely love to see you there. Yeah. <laughs> Just exactly what Caitlin said. So I'll <laughs> do your begin. case now. <laughs> I know. So five minutes later, we I will begin. But so one thing before I ask you if you've heard of it, Caitlin, I don't think you will have. Just guessing, we're in the eighteen hundreds. Have you heard of no. it? No, no, didn't no, think so. Not heard of it. I thought this year we were turning a new leaf. I thought well, we weren't doing this. I thought, <sighs> but okay, I'm ready. Yeah, I I can't turn leaves anyway. Um, I'll also say. I said Sarah Dasley. I don't know if I'm saying it right. <laughs> Shock horror. But it could be Dasley, Daisley, or Daily, because you know, like in DL, how it's got a Z in there, you don't pronounce a Z. So anyway, it's D A Z L E Y. So just bear with me if I'm wrong the whole Daily? time. Well, I thought it could be Daily. But we'll stick with Dasley just in case, okay? Anyway. Jesus peeps. I know. Now, Sarah, she was born in 1890 as Sarah Reynolds, which is so much easier to pronounce. Anyway, she was in the village of Potton in Bedfordshire, and she was the daughter of the village barber, Philip Reynolds, and she had her mother called Anne. Now, her dad died when she was just seven years old, and her mother then went on a series of relationships just with loads of other men, which 
I think kind of affected her childhood a lot because it wasn't you know a stable relationship it was just you know on and off with the village shall we say and also remember 1819 didn't go down well now Sarah grew up she obviously as everybody does but I mean she grew up to be a tall attractive girl she had long auburn hair and large brown eyes however she too ended up becoming a bit promiscuous promiscuous sorry like her mother especially back in the 1800s and by the age of 19 she had met and married a local man called Simeon Mead. Now I say by the age of 18 that's not very promiscuous because it's quite a normal age to get married especially back then. My grand got married at 19 and that was in not the 1800s. So they lived in Potton for two years before moving to the village of Tadlow, just over the county border, border, sorry, border in Cambridgeshire in 1840. It was thought that the move was made to end one of Sarah's kind of many affairs that she was having. You know, she wasn't completely honest with Simeon. Now, here she ended up giving birth to a son in February in 1840. He was christened Jonah. The little boy was, you know, the apple of his father's eye. Like, he absolutely adored him. But he sadly died at the age of seven months, which completely devastated Simeon. In October, Simeon also ended up suddenly dying to the shock of the local community. So it wasn't long after his baby boy had died, so did he. Now, Sarah... She did the grieving kind of mother, widow. She was, you know, devastated. She did it for a few weeks. But then she replaced Simeon with another man, 23-year-old William Dasley, or Daly. We know what this means. Now, this caused a lot of negative gossip, obviously, because village people talk, not just village, but you know what I mean, and considerable suspicion in the village. Was Simeon, like, just dead of natural causes or was he murdered? Now, in February 1841, Sarah and William ended up marrying and they moved to a village of Wrestlingworth, which was just three miles away in Bedfordshire. Sarah invited as well Anne Mead to live with them. Now, Anne was actually Simeon's teenage daughter before, obviously, Sarah and him had got married and gotten together. Simeon had had a life before her. So she came to live with them. It seemed, though, that not was... It wasn't all great in the marriage from early on and William took to drinking heavily in the village pub. Now, whether or not this was because of just the way that Sarah was acting or because Anne had to come and live with them, you know, things just weren't great. So this inevitably led to friction with Sarah, which boiled over into a major row, which ended in William hitting her. Now, Sarah always had other men in her life through both of her marriages, and she confided to one of her male friends, William Waldock, about the incident, telling him she would kill any man who hit her. Sarah also told neighbours a heavily embroidered tale of William's drinking and violence towards her. Now, after all of this, William became ill with vomiting and stomach pains a few days later and was attended by the local doctor, Dr Sandal, who prescribed pills which initially seemed to work, with William being looked after by Anne Mead. And he was showing signs of a steady recovery, you know, things were looking well. Now, whilst William was still bedridden, Anne, not entirely realising what she was seeing at the time, observed Sarah making up pills in the kitchen. 
Now, Sarah told a friend as well of hers in the village, Mrs Carver, that she was concerned about William's health and that she was going to get a further prescription from Dr Sandal. Now, Mrs Carver was surprised to see Sarah throw out some of the pills from the pillbox and she ended up replacing them with others. So when she got asked, Sarah told her that she wasn't satisfied with the medication that Dr Sandal had provided and instead she was going to use a remedy from the village healer. In fact, the replacement pills were the ones that Sarah had made herself. Now, side note, if you are going to make pills, I don't know if you agree with me, Caitlin, and everyone else, don't do it in front of the villager and the person living with you. Do it. it just hide it all. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I didn't want to say, but I was like, how bloody stupid to be caught doing something as easy as this. Yeah. Like going like literally, yeah. Do it at night. Yeah, even with a candle. Like just don't do it in front of people. But anyway. Just don't, yeah, just don't do it. That's why I was like, what do you mean she's done it in front of somebody? Yeah, idiot. Now, she ended up giving these pills, as we would have all like suspected, to William, who immediately noticed that they were different and refused to take them. Now, Anne Mead, who had been nursing him and had still not made any connection with the pills that she had seen Sarah making, persuaded William to swallow a pill by taking one as well. Because Sarah saw this happen, she was fuming at Anne, being like, what are you doing? Um, But obviously she couldn't be like... Also, I'm sorry, no. Even if she's made the pills, what do you mean you're just taking one as well? What do you mean? Just to be like, look, they're fine. Don't worry. But they're pills still. I know. You can't just be popping, do you know? Oh, Santa, I'm just taking some codemol. Oh, well, while you've got it out, I'll take it with you. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Only do That's... that with paracetamol. Yeah, I mean, I'm if you're paracetamol, I'm tempted. But, yep. yeah, it's like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and also, I love the fact that she saw her make these pills. And as you said, she's just like, well, anyway, <laughs> I'll just take one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is all happening. and. Like we are all thinking, they both, William and Anne, quickly became ill with the familiar symptoms of vomiting and stomach pains. I am shocked. Yes. Now, William, he actually was sick in the uh, in the yard outside, and one of the family pigs later ate no, this because no. Well, we know pigs; they eat anything, including like the whole body in the bones. Um. Not from experience, by the way. This is just knowledge. Um, but the pig ate his sick and died in the night. So if this doesn't then make Bloody you Bloody hell. What is going on here? Anyway, apparently, though, Sarah was able to persuade William to continue taking the pills, assuring him that they were what the doctor had prescribed. So, yeah, it won't kill you, but it's killed the local pig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're you'll be sound, but the pig that's ate the sick off the pills not sound. Exactly. That's too much. But in a way, you've also got to think like I guess William's very sick at the moment. So yeah. when you're sick, you're like, oh, literally, I'll take anything to get better. But also, you're kind of like dazed. So he probably doesn't fully know what he's doing. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now she's it's soon... mad though, like how much we've came on as like a society, though, isn't it? Yes. Like when you hear stories like this, you're just like, uh, what do you mean the local healer made these tablets? Yeah, exactly. And we always have to remember when I'm telling these 
is the 1800s and it's the start of the Victorian era like they they've brought they've done so much for us obviously we would never be where we are without the Victorians but also it's like it was a bit of a hit or miss with a lot of the things they were doing um and also I will explain a lot yes. more as well that I'm talking about there was a lot that didn't make it to our era yes um, there was a lot that was ruled out not to work but someone had to test it didn't they yeah we also have to thank them for their stair calculation because we'd all be tripping up the stairs if they didn't calculate what the distance should be that's a little not related to the story at all but I'm just that's saying that's a really like shit fun fact I think it's a brilliant fun fact you try and go on up a staircase that is one millimeter bigger than the stair that you've just come up you will trip uh-huh but I'm just saying I didn't mean it was in, like that shit I meant like that's like a shit fun fact to like a shit fact yeah but I disagree it's a great fact right anyway we digress now he began to decline rapidly and William actually ended up dying on the 30th of October and his death was certified as natural by the doctor which we're in the 1800s but oh yeah he was obviously he was a real man and then he fell ill but these things happened and so that's like another just classic 1800s vibes yes like absolutely fine legs missing but natural causes yeah William did have both his legs can we all just say when he did die but I get what yeah sorry not him but like do you know what I mean it's like the school nurse yeah. limb hanging off wet paper towel yeah 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 exactly <laughs> 100% um he was buried as well though so let's make no no cremation here he was buried in the churchyard and postmortems they weren't normal at this time even if he was healthy which he was but you know buried which means there could be a potential of a post-mortem. Sit tight. That wasn't the reason why he was buddy. But anyway, as usual, Sarah didn't really grieve for long before taking up a new relationship. So she soon started seeing a William Waldock. Okay, so there's now going to be two Williams in this story. This, we're on to Bloody Alive hell. William. Yeah, now William Waldock. Alive was... William. <laughs> Sorry, that may have came out very badly. But William was also the man that she had said about you know, if someone ever hits me, I'm, I would kill them. And so she had also been seeing William for, like, throughout the marriage of the now dead William. However, the now alive William, they were seeing openly. So this was proper out in the public. And he actually proposed and they got engaged because, you know, Sarah was like, you have to do it. And they were um, engaged in February 1843. Now, William was actually talked out of this marriage by his friends who pointed out, you know, Sarah, she sleeps around with everyone. She's very like, oh, not great behaviour. And also, let's remember here, all the deaths around her are quite mysterious of her two husbands and also her son. We can't forget about her son. So William broke off the engagement and he decided not to continue to see Sarah. Now, suspicion. It's a shame because there is some people that, like, unfortunately have suffered a lot of bereavement. Like, I'm quite lucky that I haven't, but some people have. But it's like, you know, I I feel like if we didn't know where this was going, you'd be like, oh, that is a bit shame if his pals were like, oh, a lot of people have died. She's had a really bad time of it. So I wouldn't date her. Like, do you know what I mean? That is quite a wee shame. But I suppose it is like a natural thing to be like if you're dating someone they're like oh two of my ex-girlfriends have died you'd be like okay 
yeah no, I, I completely agree with you um and because we know where this is going obviously it's easier to agree with the friends now suspicion and gossip it was running high in the village because village life let's be real everybody knows everybody's business still nowadays it was you know now it was then decided to inform the coroner Mr Eagles of all of these deaths so what did he do he ordered the exhumation exhumation the bodies were going to be exhumed of I was going to say I know the exhumed side but I actually don't know what like the plural of it is yeah I want to say exhumation anyway exhumed William's body and also an inquest for this was held on the 20th of March 1843 now it was found that William's viscera contained traces of arsenic and an arrest warrant was issued against Sarah. Now, I'd like to tell you a few facts about arsenic, if I may, before I carry on. Now, Please. arsenic... I yes. hope they're not shit. Well, they might be. They won't be as Another good as the stairs. Another round of shit facts. Two in one. Well, I think you'll like these facts. One thing as well, it's about arsenic, shock horror, is that when you think of arsenic, we're all like, oh yeah, arsenic, it's just one thing. However, the actual one that's all, the one that kills people is the poison, etc., is actually white arsenic or arsenic trioxide. Because the human oh. body can actually, if it's just the element that you put in, passes safely through the human body, provided it just remains in that elemental state but obviously everything else is added to it so if you now that's when it becomes a poison i'm not going to get into the science of it because as we all know i did not do science and i cannot do science so also we're in the victorian era aren't we so arsenic white arsenic it's a harmless looking powder it resembles flour or kind of sugar at a quick glance and it's tasteless it's easily dispersed in hot food and drink, and it's fatal in tiny doses. So, the I main... would not have said it was going to be a powder. Me neither. I thought it was liquid. I think I'm thinking like cyanide. Is that a liquid? Yeah. <laughs> right. No. It's a <laughs> well, powder, I and know. I thought it'd be a liquid. Yeah, no, cyanide is a liquid. Well, then. I'm thinking arsenic, a wee like drip, drip into someone's drink. No, it's powder, powder. <laughs> anyway. Like, what's it called? Is it Chicago? Someone yes. just can't, can't handle their arsenic. That's all I think of. Anyway, um, to add to this fact, the main symptoms of arsenic poisoning, violent vomiting and diarrhoea, which those kind of mimic many stomach bugs, which were very common in the 19th century, but, you know, and the lack of laboratory tests to help doctors diagnose the fact that it was actually poisoning and not just your, you know, everyday stomach bu- bug, you know, it's easy to that understand. That is quite hard, actually, because I yeah. think you think when you're being poisoned, you're like, I'm being poisoned, like grabbing your throat kind of thing. Whereas actually, if you've got very common Victorian illness symptoms, that will go missed. Yeah, 100%. And so it was a brilliant murder for, we- like, weapon, sorry, for murder. Now, in the Victorian times as well, the fact it was used so much is they also used it in wallpaper. I don't know if uh, you know this. It's it's a common fact, so, you know, not some fun fact from Samantha. But the, there was a big thing. It was called Paris Green and Shields Green. 
it was all over the place in the Victorian era. They had put arsenic in the wallpaper and the paint and things just to make it pop. So that was huge. Uh, they also, women put it put it on their face. Um, they mixed it with, I think it was vinegar and a sort of other kind of baking powder to make their faces whiter because they didn't want to be seen to look like they were out in the fields working all day you know because it was very upper class or lower yeah, class. yeah it know. was very popular back then to not be tanned yes which is and crazy like nowadays when you think of it like people want a tan people like you know we've got like tanning salons we've got fake tan like it's such a big thing of today's society whereas back then it was the opposite I, I find that really interesting like that fact of like how we've changed with something like that yeah, it's it's crazy. And um, I think I prefer being, and I don't tan well, obviously I burn, but I mean, I don't want to put arsenic vinegar and I think it was chalk or powder on my face. <laughs> I, my, I'm white enough. Anyway, uh, also as well, um, because it's such a big poisoner, people were getting poisoned left, right and centre. It actually, in 1851, a late amendment was slipped into the sale of arsenic regulation and it banned women and children from buying or possessing arsenic. Now, there there was a poisoning epidemic before then and kind of after, let's be honest. So women were most to be feared because, you know, back then they were scheming, they were just, you know, they were there in the background. They're not tough, they're not strong, but they're politically weak. And what are they going to do? They dominate the kitchen, they dominate everything else in the home, so they can easily poison us so men were kind of scared also as well that's crazy eh? Mm -hmm. so that's so fascinating Mm -hmm. and then also as well a few years later that rule was removed the one for you know only women and uh, men can buy it however it turned out that the new rule that the people that were selling arsenic you had to put your name your address your probably I think like your date of birth and things and the reason as to why you were buying arsenic over the counter because beforehand you could go into your local chemist you could go into the shops you can buy it anywhere because also it was like rat poison it was you could put it in some food. It's almost like it's common sense. Like, imagine we've done it with guns. Ooh. Anyway. But like, you know, like, sorry for the time, but like, yeah, as you're saying, people are dying. People are using it as like a serious substance. Like, of course, like people get ID'd. I know it's just not as simple, but people like, get ID'd for alcohol. People get ID'd for loads of different things. So it makes total sense. Like, why are you buying a poison? Because it was also used for things in the home to get rid of mice lice everything like that and also it was used in very small doses as well in some foods so yeah. it wasn't like they knew it was as dangerous as no it exactly was. but that's what so it's it like, like alcohol actually it's an easy <laughs> question to ask like if someone's like oh well i'm buying it to do this it's like okay they've asked i mean a note of it like it's so simple whereas yeah i don't know i just think things like that are quite like of course you're going to check someone's details before they buy poison but that's just me yeah no no I agree and so everything was changed and that's what happened and because there was a huge epidemic now I that was a digression but I think it was also quite interesting because a lot of people and I must admit a lot of women did poison people with arsenic because it was easy but also as well we have to remember that abusing your wife etc was allowed like 
it was a public thing if you did it like it wasn't like people were going to be like shocked to see so some people that was their way out not that it's ever a good thing to to, like get out of that by killing someone but you know what I mean that was sometimes her only way out was to kill their husbands for being arseholes yeah 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 because it's like when you said them when the um when you were saying about or to start with Sarah like about the fact that her husband hit her and stuff like it's so bad but in that day and age that was a very common thing yeah. So, like, you know, this isn't the first story you've told about the Victoria era shock, but that, like, <laughs> people have gone on to kill their husbands. Yeah, because, because... they were just being pricks. Yeah. Yeah. Or just mean. They were just mean. Um... Oh, remember how long it took the lot to come in that, like, raping your wife is illegal? Yeah. <laughs> like, that took a long time to come in because, again, people were just like, well, it's not... I'm dating her, so it's fine. And it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've digressed, we've digressed. We can talk about that. I'm sure we will talk about all of that another time as well. But um, we are on the point of Sarah has been arrested for the murder of William. So Sarah had actually anticipated this result. She thought, okay, you know, his body has been dug up or what is going to happen. And she actually left the village and she had went to London. I think this happens quite a lot, though. Like, you know, when people think they've got away with it and then there's always, like, I think it's... Obviously, I've not killed anyone that we know of. But, like, I think if you're going to go on to kill somebody, you need to have that backup plan in your head of, like, okay, what am I going to do if I get caught? Yeah. And I think that is like such common sense. Like I know some people don't ever expect to get caught, but I would think a majority of people that go on to kill will probably be like, okay, what's going to be the case if like the victim's found or what's going to be the case if they start looking at me? Like, what's the plan? Mm -hmm. And Sarah kind of had a plan, but it wasn't that great. So she moved to London and she'd taken a room in Upper Wharf Street where she was discovered by Superintendent Blunden. So Sarah told... Okay, she did that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, she had a plan, but I didn't go to plan. Now, Sarah told London that she was completely innocent and that she neither knew anything about poisons, nor had she ever obtained any. So, London arrested her and decided to take her back to Bedford. Now, it would have been a short journey. However, they needed an overnight stop in those days because I'm guessing it would have been by horse and cart. I don't want to... Oh, imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Now... They stayed in this one inn in Biggleswade and Sarah, she was made to sleep in a room with three female members of the staff of the inn because obviously, you know, she's a felon. You can't just leave her on her own. And she didn't sleep well and she asked the women of the time about capital trials and execution by hanging. Just, you know, general questions. So but Also, sorry, can we back up? Yes, yeah, she's a criminal, get that. Why is she sleeping with the innkeeper? She's not sleeping with the innkeeper, just three of the staff. Oh, the staff. That makes it better. Where's the police? Well, it's like, probably, like, give the women their privacy. Ah, uh-huh, but she's also, like, what are they going to do? If she gets up and is like, I'm running, what? what? They're not trained. Anyway, she didn't run away. All right, right? just ignore my... Always good. Ignore my fucking very good question. It's a good question. Don't have an answer for it. <laughs> but she didn't run away. And they actually clicked Thank on her what? as well. They told uh the police you know all the questions she was asking so and then London was like mm, that's quite an old question to ask so what do you think about capital punishment if you've been arrested for a murder oh, you can take your sarcasm and get it to France I'm not being sarcastic I'm being dead serious 
Oh, okay. Um, I don't think that's a weird question to ask. If I was arrested for murdering somebody and we still had the death penalty, blood, bloody right, I'd be asking. Yeah, you would ask your lawyer, but then also if you were so innocent and you were like, actually, you would be pleading your innocence, I don't think you'd be focusing on the fact that the death penalty is coming towards you until the trial took place and then obviously you'd be like, oh shit, okay, now I need to ask. I don't know, I feel like I'm disagreeing with you because I feel like I would ask because I'm a panicker. I don't know this one very well, but like, I would panic. I could get arrested for like the most basic thing and I'm like, I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> but like, it could be as well that she is asking them because that's like her first night of being arrested. You were saying, ask your lawyer. Where is her lawyer? Where's even the police? Just sleeping with the staff. Right. Yeah. No, all fair points. I'll take them on board and I'll report them back. <laughs> yeah, I hope next week we get the answers of these questions. Yeah. Now, back to the story. Now, the bodies of Simeon Mead and Jonah had also now been exhumed and Jonah's, the, her wee son, was found to contain arsenic, although Simeon's was too decomposed, so they couldn't actually get any positive results, but on guessing, probably would have had it in his system. Now, on the 24th of March, 1843, Sarah was committed to Bedford Jail to await her trial and she used her time to concoct defences to, like, you know, make up stories to the reason why she was being arrested and how she didn't do this. Now, she decided to accuse William Dasley of poisoning Simeon and Jonah on the grounds that he wanted them out of her life so he could have her to himself. When she realised what he had done, she then decided to take revenge by poisoning William. Now unsurprisingly these stories they weren't believed and they were kind of far-fetched like you could kind of believe them but also when you think of everything else it just doesn't add up because it's William's murder she was being tried for. It wasn't Simeon and Jonah so it's like why are you bringing them into it? Now in another version as well William had actually poisoned himself by accident. So, you know, she wasn't sticking to the same story, which was making all of her stories be unbelievable. Now, she came to trial at the Bedfordshire Summer Assizes, sorry, I can never say that word, on Saturday the 22nd of July, um, but before Baron Alderson. Now, she was charged with William's murder as this was, you know, the stronger of the two cases against her. Now, I say this because the charge of murdering Jonah was not proceeded with, so she wasn't actually charged with the death of her son, but they did hold this in reserve just in case the first case failed. So they were like, right, we'll try her for this. If it turns out she's not guilty, we'll then bring Jonah into the situation. But meantime, he's off the table. Now, evidence was given against her by two local chemists who identified her as having purchased arsenic from them shortly before William's death. Now, Mrs Carver, you know, the neighbour, and Anne Mead told the court about the incidents with the pills that they had witnessed. Finally... William Waldock testified as well that Sarah had said she would kill any man that ever hit her after the violent row that she had with William, the other William, sorry. Forensic evidence was presented to show that William had indeed died from arsenic poisoning and it was noted that his internal organs were well preserved. So, you know, this is a good fact because it's to show that this isn't off of like a decomposed body. This is something that they can get a clear kind of... um, result on. The Marsh test as well, which was a test used uh, for arsenic trioxide, it had only actually come into play the last few years at the time of Sarah's trial. So this was a scientist who made up a test on how to be able to um, 
get arsenic in there. I think in the 1970s, it was later kind of removed. It was no longer kind of viable. But, you know, this was a big thing back then. Okay. So it had came into play. It still, it was quite a confusing way of doing it. There was a lot of things to follow. It wasn't completely accurate, but, you know, trial and error when it comes to these sort of things. Now, it was obviously the odourless powder and it passed undetected. So, you know, could have been put in his food, could have been put in his drinks. So it happened. Now, since 1836 as well, all defendants had been legally entitled to counsel. So Sarah's defence was put forward by a Mr O'Malley and he kind of went with Sarah's stories in a way. He also claimed that Sarah had poisoned William by accident. So there was all of these stories that Sarah had made up and then he was like, oh, it was just by accident. Now, against all the other evidence, it did kind of look weak. It wasn't a great argument and it contradicted Sarah's stories. Now, it took the jury just 30 minutes to convict her. Before passing sentence, Baron Alderson commented that it was bad enough to kill her husband, but it showed total heartlessness to kill her infant child as well. Now, he recommended her to ask for the mercy of her redeemer. He then donned the black cap and sentenced her to hang. Now, with his words or with him saying that, you know, it was bad enough to kill the husband and then also kill her infant child, Remember, Jonah was never put in to this trial. Like there wasn't a, she wasn't found guilty of murder of Jonah, but he had said it anyway. So he clearly thought that, you know, she had done that. I don't think if that had happened nowadays, though, the judge would probably be like told off. Now, during her time in prison, Sarah learned to read and write and she began reading the Bible. She avoided contact with other prisoners whilst on remand because she just preferred her own company and she kind of came to the acceptance of what was going to happen and she was you know in discussing things with the chaplain in the condemned cell she continued to maintain her innocence though like she had come to terms with the fact that this is happening but she was innocent and she was just waiting for her time to, to die now Back then, her execution was set for Saturday, the 5th of August, 1843. Now, from many of my episodes before, it was that you had to, the Murder Act of 1752, it required execution to take place within two working days. It was abolished, and in 1836, it had to be a period of not less than 14 days. So this is why her hanging was now on the 5th of August. So a crowd as well, because the crowd hadn't been, that was still a thing, it was there. And it was estimated that seven to 12,000 people assembled to watch her be hung. Shut up. Yes. Now, this was a huge thing as well back in the day. Uh, they would be selling newspapers. They would be selling things as well about the fact that, you know, they would be saying oh, this is a written letter from the person that's been hung, in this case, Sarah, being like, oh, I did this. This is my confession. Oh, I've done this in jail. Oh, I've actually done this. So just be spreading absolute crap, made up stories, but they'd be selling it as well to all the crowd. It was like a big... It's like modern day newspapers. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So this happened and she was hung um, and... During this time, though, the crowd, 12,000 up to 12,000 people, were completely silenced. So uh, around 10 o'clock, she was hung. And then afterwards, obviously, the crowd were roaring. They were yelling. They were selling all these things. They were wow, loving so it. so wild, eh? 
Uh-huh. And also remember as well, the rule was, or the law, the body had to hang for one hour before removing it, you know, just to make sure they were completely dead. So here it is. Well, look at, what's her name? Half hang at Maggie. Mm-hmm. Half hang at Maggie survived. Uh, but Sarah, she did not. And they took her away and they buried her in an unmarked grave like they did with everyone. And also it was probably one of the the one kind of hangings that happened in Bedford of a woman as well. It wasn't a huge thing. Normally they'd be taken to like, you know, all the other places like London, etc. So she was hung. Everyone else went on with the rest of their lives. And at the end of the day as well, it's kind of like you could have proved it, but was it worth her having to be hung to death that's a story for another day you know our views on the death penalty um but it'd be good to know other people's views um yeah but that's I feel like story. we've had this conversation so many times especially Victorian cases about like should she been hung should she not and I think yeah it's a weird one isn't it yeah and also as well with the all of these things that's when the the law in the act was all made about you know the poisonings and because of all of this Sarah's case and everybody else's case kept mounting up to become the law of you know we've got to look into poisonings here and make the rules more <laughs> but let's say make arsenic arsenic less available to the local public which they now have. good yeah and they've now <laughs> done it that. 